0: Hey there, my name is Leif, and you're listening to Health Righteous. If you haven't listened to the last episode yet, do that first, because there's a couple things I want to add that will tie it up nicely. In our last episode, we talked about how not to be a whoremoron. moron. And what does that mean? <laughs> uh... Our bodies are under a lot of chemical stressors throughout the day, and there's a couple that we can avoid, like receipt paper and nonstick cookware, because we know that those have hormone-disrupting properties in them. BPA will mimic estrogen in the bloodstream, which will throw off our body's messenger system and can lead to a host of long-term health effects. I talked a lot about what it can mean to have our hormones disrupted, but one very crucial piece of the story that I neglected to cover in detail was that this bombardment of phytoestrogens that our bodies have gone through doesn't just affect our general wellness or our all-cause morbidity, it also corresponds with a critical decline in sperm production. A recent study of 43,000 men from North America, Europe, Australia, and New Zealand had shown a decline in sperm count of over 50% over some of the last 40 years. And to top it off, these hormone disruptors can change the way genes get expressed, passing along lower sperm counts generationally, and then compacting with more exposure to hormone disruptors, perpetuating a cycle of continual sperm suppression. I'm coming in hot. (laughs) Coming in hot. In addition to avoiding contact with these sources of BPA and PFAs, I personally have started taking a couple supplements that can help with hormone regulation, like ashwagandha and maca. Definitely worth considering, regardless of your gender expression, but feel free to talk to your doctor if you've got questions about whether these are right for you. As I said, if you missed that episode, you should go back and give it a listen before you finish this expertly molded episode, where I'm going to go in-depth on something that we're seeing more and more in an episode that I'm calling how to be a probiotic patriot. Today, we're gonna go back to something we started in the first episode of our first season, but with a little more detail and a little more finesse. In our first episode, I mentioned that there's more bacteria, fungi, and viruses in our microbiome than cells in our body. And the flora of our gut can control our mood, our weight, our energy levels, and our brain. So when you're using your gut to make a decision, there's probably more value to that statement than you thought. That's because your gut is part of your enteric nervous system, also known as your second brain. I also mentioned in the first episode of The New Season that over 90% of your body's serotonin lies in your gut. But it's also home to about 50% of your body's dopamine as well. And something that always blows my mind is that your enteric nervous system communicates using neurotransmitters, which truly makes it behave like a brain. So that's your inside. Your enteric nervous system runs from your esophagus to your anus and is lined with a single-cell barrier that acts as your defense from antigens. Bringing it back to the first episode, that barrier can get weakened or compromised from any number of factors. But an important one is the pesticides on our food. Which is why, whenever possible, I recommend buying organic to reduce the quantity of pesticides we're ingesting. It's also good to soak your produce. You can hear all about that in my what? First episode of my first season. GMO Giants and Dirty Produce. So chemical pesticides can throw off our gut lining. That's a good starting place. Our gut is actually just one of the places where we maintain an ecosystem of bacteria and fungi that keeps our body running smoothly. But before we even get to the esophagus, we've also got our mouths, our nasal passages, and our skin to consider that are all reliant on healthy amounts of good bacteria to do their jobs. Which means each one of these is a unique ecosystem that needs to be maintained to keep things running smoothly. Something I've seen a lot lately is a gradual transition in toothpastes and chewing gums to start using xylitol. Xylitol is a sugar alcohol that's made from tree bark, that tastes sweet and has antibacterial qualities which is great in theory. (laughs) I've said that before. You want your mouth to be free of bacteria, right? Wrong. Here's what's wrong with that idea. As I just mentioned, your mouth has a microbiome that is an ecosystem of bacteria and fungi. And when you start to kill off certain strains of bacteria, it's going to disrupt the natural order of things in there. You'll have bacteria that are resistant to xylitol, reproducing in larger numbers, shifting the quantities of good bacteria and bad bacteria potentially creating bigger problems down the line also if you're chewing gum with xylitol you're gonna be swallowing that sugar alcohol and it'll cruise down your digestive tract and interact with your enteric nervous system along the way we'll probably go into more detail about sweeteners in a later episode but for now look for toothpastes that acknowledge the fact that you have an oral biome those will be the toothpastes that will contain ingredients that keep things in balance in there also Keep an eye out for essential oils like peppermint and spearmint in your toothpaste because those are also antimicrobial. And using abrasive, alcohol-based mouthwashes can throw off your biome as well. So can smoking. How great would it be if that was the reason that a listener stopped smoking? They were like, man, not my oral biome. Guess I'm done smoking. (laughs) There's also some steps we can take to keep our skin's biome intact. Avoid using harsh cleansers and bar soap, and look for cleansers that are pH balanced. Ingredients like sodium lauryl sulfate will dry your skin out. Another thing to be aware of is scrubbing. If a physical scrub is too rough or sensitizing for you, find a gentler option. This can be a more pleasant physical exfoliant or chemical exfoliant. Avoid over exfoliation by using your exfoliating products only one to three times a week. Make sure you're using a good moisturizer. Our hands are drier than usual from all the washing and sanitizing, so make sure you're adding some moisture back in with a good moisturizer. And moisturizing isn't just for your hands. It took me years and years to find a moisturizer that works with my acne-prone skin type, but I finally found some skincare products that work great for me. Shoot me a DM if you're curious. Listeners of the Health Righteous Podcast. Wear sunscreen. Sunscreen. If I could offer you only one tip for the future, sunscreen would be it. The long-term benefits of sunscreen have been proved by scientists. (laughs) Sound familiar? Even during fall and winter months, look for a sunscreen that doesn't contain ingredients that are going to bleach the coral reef or disrupt your hormones like I talked about in the last episode. Reef-safe and oxybenzone-free sunscreens do exist, take a look at the Environmental Working Group's website, EWG, as a good place to start. But as I've mentioned in the past, the EWG is meant to be used as a guideline, not taken as fact. Like how their Dirty Dozen and Clean 15 produce lists are created using figures from the USDA that haven't been updated in many years. In some instances, their science is more subjective than objective. But as I said, it's a good place to start. So, we've got the mouth and skin covered the first lines of defense our bodies got, more or less. Let's go van deeper. But first, let's take a deep breath. Today's sponsor is The Forager Project. The Forager Project is a family-owned, 100% organic, plant-based food company based in California, dedicated to making the world a better place than the one they found. They've got yogurts, kefirs, milks, and sour creams all made from organic cashews. If you know me, or you've listened to any of my episodes of this podcast, you know how important it is to me to buy organic. And I've been known to go through a tub or two of their Costco-sized unsweetened cashew yogurt. But beyond being passionate about organic plant-based food, they are equally passionate about nurturing a healthy democracy. They believe that voting is the most essential ingredient needed to do this. Check out the voting resources and information our friends put together at www.foragerproject.com vote, and on social, at Forager Project. Welcome back! Our body's bacterial flora is so high-tech that it will predict or produce some health-related complications we may experience down the line. So we have to protect this with our life. What can we do to look after this sweet system of bacteria that resides inside us? Let's start with one of the easiest and funnest ways to keep the diversity of our guts in tip-top shape. And that's just by breathing. Breathe in air in unique environments. Go to the woods, breathe in there. Go to a lake, breathe that in. Each environment you breathe in will have its own special recipe of fungi, bacteria, and viruses for you to assimilate into your own. And with more diversity comes a better shot at defense from illnesses. We love that option. There's so many health benefits that come from being outdoors. What's next? There's two secret weapons that have become excellent tools to have in our arsenal, and those are prebiotics and probiotics. The word probiotic is of Latin and Greek origin and literally means for life. Probiotics have been a big part of the natural food space for a while, but the use of probiotics goes back to the dawn of farming some 10,000 years ago. Probiotics have been a big part of cuisine from cultures around the world, from yogurts in the Middle East and India, to sauerkraut in Germany, kimchi in Korea, kombucha in Russia, China and Japan, and can't forget the biggest one of all. Cheese. We've evolved with the food system around us, a food system that's dense with bacteria that nourishes our gut and keeps us healthy. There have been some changes in the way that we understand probiotics taken supplementally, since probiotics have become such a buzzword in recent history. Every probiotic supplement you buy nowadays is going to be different in some way. In its number of units of bacteria, and in its strains of bacteria it's also important that the probiotic you choose is alive until the point of expiration, not until the point of production, and that it will arrive at its targeted location. I know I just threw a lot at you. I'm thinking of these little capsules as spaceships, and you want everyone to be alive on board when that spaceship arrives at its destination. That's not always the case with probiotics. And if capsules have a tough time getting there, you can bet that not all of the probiotics in your fermented foods are going to make it there either the acid in your stomach is incredibly powerful at breaking food down. But in the process, it's also very likely that you're burning up some of that bacteria as well. This is one of the reasons it could make sense to take a probiotic supplement in addition to your diet. And since your body's a delicate and yet simultaneously robust ecosystem, there's a number of ways that it can get nudged off kilter. Easily, the thing that will wipe out your microbiome the most is the thing that's designed to do just that, and that's taking antibiotics. For me, I use antibiotics as a last resort. For some people, that's their go-to, their first line of defense. I personally would explore what other options for treatment exist before doing something that could have ripple or trickle-down effects after devastating my microbiome. Along these lines, there's plenty of medication and drugs that will disrupt the microbiome, and it's worth looking into to see what your options are for your medication even oral contraceptives can affect your microbiome. It's estimated that up to 25% of medications on the market will have deleterious effects on the microbiome. And there have been studies that suggest that after one treatment of antibiotics, symptoms of depression and anxiety are more likely to occur. And after repeated treatments, those symptoms are more and more likely to appear. Similarly, if you're undergoing any type of radiation or chemotherapy, that's going to alter the terrain of your gut entirely. If you're looking to repopulate your gut with a really diverse colony of bacteria, one of the best ways to do that is through a fecal transplant. If you can get past the idea of it, it can be a huge benefit to your gut. If you're looking to repopulate your gut one bacteria at a time, it can create a really unstable environment. If you think about farming, and you think about what happens to the fields when you grow one crop over a long period of time, it's not sustainable. It devastates the soil because it has all the plants taking the same nutrients out of the soil without putting anything back into it. The goal is to have a diverse ecosystem. So keep that in mind and find multiple ways that you can cultivate a healthy biome for yourself. Next, take a look at the water you're drinking. Chlorinated and fluorinated water will adversely affect your bacterial flora. And even the pH of the water will cause your bacteria to shift. If you're taking antacids all the time, that will affect your gut as well. And if you're on a ketogenic diet, that's going to change the terrain of your gut as well. So it's good to look into a probiotic to help reduce circulating endotoxins. Diets high in sugar or acidic foods are gonna throw things off as well. Next, stress and even your quantity and quality of sleep will affect your gut biome as well. Your body is an ecosystem and without its basic needs being met, its functions will reflect that. Remember how our insides are protected by a barrier that's one cell thick and disrupting it will cause proteins and peptides to leach through the gaps as antigens? This is called gut permeability, or leaky gut. And with 70% of our immune system in our gut, we wanna do what we can to defend that barrier. Another tool that's rising in popularity is something that I just learned about in the last year or so, and that's prebiotics. Prebiotics are soluble fibers that aid digestion by nourishing the bacteria in your biome. Probiotics are bacteria-rich, and prebiotics feed the bacteria. Prebiotics are like fertilizer in the garden that is your microbiome. Eating a plant-based diet or a diet rich in fiber is a surefire way to get a good foundation of prebiotics that will keep your biome happy and healthy, especially the bacteria in your colon. When you're eating a plant-based diet, you're lowering your likelihood of bowel irregularity, diverticulosis, colon cancer and polyps, Crohn's disease, and ulcerative colitis. And as a whole food, plant-based eater myself, I swear by this diet. I'm also happy to talk about it if you want, so don't be shy to reach out. So we've got our prebiotics and we've got our probiotics. Put them together and what do you get? You get a super weapon for your gut. Synbiotics are mixtures of probiotics and prebiotics that beneficially affect the host by improving the survival and implantation of live microbial dietary supplements in the GI tract by selectively stimulating the growth and or by activating the metabolism of one or a limited number of health-promoting bacteria, thus improving host welfare. That definition, spot on. <laughs> The sin in symbiotic is for energy. Nope. The sin in synergy is, Nope. The sin in symbiotic is for synergy. Pretty neat concept. Because it's such a new discovery, there's not a lot of research or data on it yet. But I imagine there will be in the near future. Eat a diet that's rich in fiber. Eat foods that have probiotic qualities. Breathe in unique ecosystems. Get enough sleep manage your stress levels, avoid things that are going to wipe out your gut flora, and live your best life. Easy peasy. You know what time it is? Time to vote in person, or drop off your ballot at a drop-off ballot box location. Vote for a candidate who believes in science. Vote for a candidate who believes in protecting the environment, not the one who just opened 16.7 million acres of the Tongass National Forest to clear-cutting and corporate exploitation. Vote for a future that can sustain human life. If you've learned something in this episode and you wanna share it with someone, pass this podcast along to your friends, your family, your drag mom, the person who cuts your hair, your new match on a dating app, your mail person, and your local poll worker. Anyone who's made your life interesting that you wanna have the best shot at living a long and healthy life. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite platform so you never miss an episode. And while you're at it, write a review so other people know how great this podcast is and are inspired to bust this episode open. Follow Health Righteous on Instagram and YouTube. Type healthrighteous into your browser, all one word, and drop a dot before the US. Consider becoming a patron. I'm currently accepting patrons on Patreon, and sponsorship of many kinds. So visit patreon.com/healthrighteous or shoot me a DM. Big shout out to my patrons on Patreon. I am so grateful for you. Marcy, Omega Fats Action, Sargon, and our newest patron, Reagan. Join the fam, join the gang. We love to see it. You really do inspire me to keep this podcast going. Thank you. Thank you for listening. It is a demonstration of self-love and self-kindness. Now go and spread the gospel. And vote. Come back in two weeks for a new episode, and we'll see you next time. Health,